Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. You should start a business. You should start a business. I should grow in my relationship with God. You should get excited because this is the final part of our should series. How's everybody doing today? Good to see you. Look at someone next to you and tell them that they look great. Say, I can't believe how good you look. Say, I would have fixed up a little more if I'd have known somebody that good looking was going to be sitting next to me today. Who believes we got the best looking church anywhere? I believe we got the best looking church around. I love City of Life. I'm grateful to be a part of this church. I'm excited about what God is doing here. Uh, in two weeks, that's Easter. So next week would be Palm Sunday. And we kind of get the whole, uh, the whole thing started with our Easter celebration. So I hope that no matter what you're going through in life, you will view uh, the next couple of weeks as a journey toward the cross. And I think any time that we're journeying toward the cross, as Christians, we have, or just people that are on a spiritual journey, maybe you're not yet a Christian, you're investigating. I believe that God will do some of the most incredible things in our lives as we intentionally move toward the cross. It's a hard place to move towards because it's a place of suffering. It's a place of sacrifice. It's a place where Jesus went to take what we did wrong and to make restitution for it to God. Uh, so we see a lot of ourselves in those moments and a lot of it is tough to deal with and it's tough to handle, but man, the journey can be so rewarding because I promise you in two weeks when we celebrate on Easter Sunday, we're not celebrating simply the cross, we're celebrating the resurrection. There's gonna be an unbelievable, is anyone excited about that? There's gonna be an unbelievable power in that. So let's go on that journey uh, together. Uh, I'm excited, this is part five of, the, of a series. I thought it was gonna be probably a four part series, uh, but today I wanted to end it out uh, and talk about the word of God as our, our premise in life, the place from which we build our worldview. Uh, but before I do, I'm actually going to read a poem I wrote about my grandparents. It has nothing to do with um, the message. Would you guys like to hear a poem? Okay. So this is about my grandparents, and um, I thought maybe we could just use this as a jumping off point for just making sure that we love all the people around us. They used to wave goodbye until our wagon rounded the corner from the driveway or the porch, depending on the weather that day. Either way, they would wave. When Papa went off to the war, Mama was left with the boys. As the ships sailed, he'd wave toward the shore until he could see it no more. It was a way to stay in a moment, devotion to a notion that someone matters enough to say goodbye until they're gone. Because someday, when they are gone, it wouldn't matter anymore. And in that moment, what we'd give to simply lift our wrist with unabridged interest for priceless love deserves to be adored. So maybe that can help you think about your family a little bit today. Put a, a high premium on loving people and appreciating people. Amen. So um, I'm excited about what's going on here. My text here is uh, James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And it says this. Do not merely listen to the word. Anyone alive today excited about the Bible? Because uh, there better be a couple of amens here as we're reading the Bible. I should have to get you fired up about the Bible. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, (laughs) this is so funny to me, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Father, thank you for your goodness today. Thank you for this awesome time of worship in this place. The Spirit of God is just moving here today. Penetrate deep within our hearts, God. We don't come to church just out of duty. We come here because we want to know you want to be like you we want your word to challenge us and change us and we want to grow because God if there's really no sign in our life of change then there's no evidence that we actually are in fact Christians Lord it's 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 the way that we live our life that reflects whether or not we have the kind of faith that leads us to salvation so father let that faith that we have in you that gift of, of grace that was given to us lead us to a life that progressively honors you throughout the years, Lord, so that we can become more like you each and every day. So thank you for this word and this time together. Bless it in Jesus' name. And we, everybody said, amen. Anybody remember how crazy it got during the pandemic when it came to your appearance? Am I the only one that started looking pretty rough at some point during that thing? Um, I think part of it had to do with the fact that I'm no barber. And, like, I, I've never, Amy ain't no barber. That's a fact right there. She tried some stuff that, uh, that should be put in a book or something. I don't know. That's, a, that's some wild stuff that she tried. <laughs> she was trying to be helpful, but, but it didn't work too well. And then, then my, my help on myself didn't work too well either because I started watching YouTube videos and all kind of things. Any other guy watch a YouTube video on how to cut your hair? Okay, I'm not the only one. So I think what happened is, like, after... You know, I didn't know how long that thing was going to last. So, like, maybe after about three weeks or so, I just kind of quit looking in the mirror so much. Uh, you know, I just had my routine that I'd do. I'd brush my teeth. I just wouldn't really, because I knew I wasn't really going anywhere. And has anybody ever been through a season where you didn't look in the mirror for a while? Or you didn't really look at yourself, and then all of a sudden one day you look and you go, Oh. <laughs> You know, you, you just, like, that, is, is that what everyone else is seeing? <laughs> you know, you get this kind of scared feeling that comes over you. And, and it's just kind of interesting because that's really what this text is talking about. It says somebody that just listens to the word but doesn't do it is like a person. And it might not make a lot of sense when you first hear it, but it says it's like a person who looks at his face in a mirror. First of all, mirrors back then weren't these perfect, pristine things like we have now where you can see every detail. It was just kind of a general reflection. So you could just see basically if you had anything crazy going on. You could see a little bit, but not perfection. But what it's saying is it's like someone that looks in the mirror and sees and is like, okay, I'm good to go. I'm good for the day. And then you kind of go away and then you forget over time what you look back because you haven't looked back in the mirror again. And that's kind of the scary part. Has anybody ever been like to an important meeting 
or something, or you're meeting with someone, like, like you're, you're with a group of people or something like that, and you're having a great night, and everything's going great, and you get home, and you're putting your stuff away, and you go to brush your teeth or something, and like you, you like look in the mirror, and you've got like an enormous seed in your teeth or something like that, like, like right in the front, like it's almost like a cartoon character, it's like, it looks like a giant hole in your teeth, or something like that, or you got something on your face, or you something... And you're like, no one, like my friends, that, that they're supposed, like these people are supposed to love me. They let, they're laughing. They had to be, it had to be a joke because like they could have told me that I had something going on. But that's what a mirror can do for you. A mirror lets you know what you need to work on, doesn't it? And sometimes one of the worst things we can do is walk away from a mirror and forget what we actually look like. Because then we forget the things that need to be addressed in our lives. And that's what the Bible is saying about people that hear the word but don't do it. Didn't we talk about this last week? If you were here last week and we talked about how to build a life. Didn't we talk about one man who decided to build his house on the rock on something strong? And another man that decided to build his house on the sand? Both of them heard the same message. One of them did the message. One of them did not do the message and lost everything. This further drives home the point and the idea that when we hear God's word, and there's something so, and I want to let you know today, closing this series, we've talked about all kinds of things from, you know, the existence of God, from, from an intellectual standpoint, we've talked about, uh, you know, objective moral values, are there certain things in, lives that, in life that is absolutely true? We talked about why people say the things that they say and trying to dig down deep into what is their worldview that's underneath all that stuff. Then last week, we talked about God's word. And, and I kind of hinted a little bit that this week would be about why we believe God's word is special. We believe as Christians that God's word is holy. We believe it is not just a good collection of sayings. We don't believe it's just an accumulation of things that were kind of cherry-picked here and there that were put together. But we believe that Almighty God himself spoke these things. They were written down through human beings, but they were divinely inspired. And when we hear God's word and we obey and enact God's word, something supernatural happens in our lives. Something comes alive in us. It's what we believe as Christians. And I think that many times when we forget that and we just take God's word as just some meme that we read on Instagram. I mean, whatever these, I mean, these, I don't know where people come up with most of this stuff. It's like if it rhymes or if it has the same number of syllables or something, like people act like it's the gospel and they repost it all over the place. I mean, it's great to have like encouraging sayings, but none of them hold up to the authority and the value that we find in God's holy word. It is his holy word. He is inseparable from his word. And we get this warped perception of ourselves. Of thinking we're way better when, than we are. When we refuse to look into his word daily. Look at someone next to you say, say, he just said a word that you don't like. It wasn't word, <laughs> it was daily. We must daily gaze into the word of God to find out how messed up our hair is. Yeah. 
I got a big old zit right here on my face this morning. I'm 50, 49 years old, and I woke up. I got it. It's like I'd like to encourage all you young people that they go away and they don't ever come back. But here it is right here. And when I looked, in, I was like, uh-oh, i got to put some of that stuff on there so nobody can see it in church. But see, if I didn't look in the mirror, I wouldn't know what's going on. Are we allowed to say that in church? I don't know. You guys are looking at me strange like, ooh, he, he, what is he talking I, I never had one of those before. Yeah, he, he lied. No. I have to look in the mirror to see the accurate reflection so I can take the appropriate actions to make the correction. That sounds like a, a rap. What in the world? Everything's rhyming. See in the mirror to make the appropriate correction, infection, election, and here we go, the section. I don't know what's going on here. I just, MC Jeffrey. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> There's this story. Sorry for staying stuck on this mirror part, but it's just amazing. It's a, it's a great analogy. I don't, want, I don't want to forget it myself, and I don't want you to forget it. I heard this story of a missionary who took a mirror uh, like 100 years ago overseas, and he was ministering to this, this tribe that had a witch doctor, and they had never seen a mirror like this. And it, it was like uh, so clear compared to anything they'd ever seen. They'd, looked, they'd seen their reflection in water before, but never just seen such a... So anyways, the, the main witch doctor of the community came to him and kept asking if she could buy it from him. And he said, no, you can't buy it. He goes, because I have to shave with it, and I, I need it here. So he hung it there, and she came every day, every day, can I buy it from you? Can't. And so he finally realized how much she wanted it, and so he, he gave it to her. And the moment that he gave it to her and she had possession of it, she threw it down on the ground and stepped on it and broke it. And he, and he goes, why did you do that? And she said, because I don't want that thing making ugly faces at me anymore. <laughs> That's not a joke. It's actually true. She thought that this, this, magical, this magical thing was making this. She had no idea the condition. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't say, oh, honey, it ain't the mirror, I promise you. <laughs> but it does illustrate a point about our lives that when we forget, look, y'all, I'm ugly. It is... meant that in a spirit. Oh, pastor, preach it. <laughs> oh, I got you. At least it wasn't my wife that said that. I can still go home later. Uh, the bottom line is, it, it is true, though. There's, there's no doubt about it. And, and no matter how deceiving appearances of people can be, without the most beautiful thing in the world, Jesus, that renews us every day. I remember one time, uh, a, 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 I was just pretty young, but a girl asked me, she said, do you think I'm pretty? And um, I mean, I don't think she was the prettiest person in the world, I'll be honest with you. 
but she did have a very beautiful spirit. And I said, uh, well, I said, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people out there that are real pretty on the outside, but they got real ugly souls. I said, but you have one of the sweetest souls of anybody I've ever met. And she just started running around. She said, I'm pretty. And she's just shouting, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. And I said, yeah, you are, you are. So to me, I think that the idea about our appearance is until we realize that we're ugly without this word of God renewing us every day, every single day, we have to be washed in the water of the word. We have to gaze into that mirror and you know what we're going to see back every day? Something ugly. You don't have the ability to go to a conference that keeps you pretty forever. You don't have the ability to listen to a preacher that keeps you pretty even for one day. And if you're relying on a church or a preacher or a podcast or a, a tweet or something, if you're relying on something to keep you in the place that you need to be in every single day by getting into the word yourself, Listen to me today, turn off the podcasts and open your Bible. Turn off the pod, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's me. Please turn me off. Please do not turn my podcast on instead of listening to the Bible. That's nuts. I mean, I'm a preacher that my, my responsibility and my job is to interpret this thing in the most accurate, honest way I try so hard. I've got a million opinions about everything in the world, but go back and listen to stuff. I try not to insert my ideas about things in here. I want this to speak for itself because it does. I don't have to add anything to it. And there's a lot of people sitting in churches today that are spinning things a certain way that makes their ears comfortable because they don't find it in here. So they got to have somebody add something on top of it. You ain't going to get that up in this joke or go find one of them and go there if that's what you want. But as City of Life, we're about to teach this Bible the way it's written. We're going to teach the Bible the way it's written. And I'm, why? Because why? it's enough. It's got more than enough to say on matters of faith and practice. And we have to get into it constantly because it's the thing that shapes our worldview. You say, well, what do you mean? Are you suggesting I go on a Bible reading plan? Yes. Yeah, what? Yes. Every single day, be reading through the entire Bible constantly, a little bit at a time. Well, I don't know where to start. I don't understand it. We don't understand anything that we don't know at first. And as we begin to get used to it, we learn it. I don't speak Spanish very well. But the more I hear people speak it, the more I understand it. The more I study it, the more I understand it. And the Bible can be very foreign to us when we don't know it. But let's not use that as an, as an excuse to not get into it and to learn it and to make it a part of who we are. Let's start talking it. Let's start thinking it. Let's, are you here today? Let's start speaking it over our lives. You have a worldview that is shaped by something. What is it shaped by? If you don't have one, then you're just going to be making stuff up. We've talked about this for the last couple of weeks. You just make stuff up. You decide when something is right and when something is wrong. I don't really care to talk about current events too much, but even this week, something happened in our world that some people think is right and some people think is wrong. I don't really care to comment on things that are like that when I've got this kind of stuff to talk about. The bottom line is, isn't it interesting 
that a thousand people can see the same exact thing and 500 of them can find a way to say it's right and 500 of them can say, find a way to say it's wrong. That's why we need God's word to be the dictator, to be the reed, the measuring rod by which we live our lives and our standards. That way we don't have to guess. We simply say, this is what the Bible says about it. Well, what do you think about it? I think it's what the Bible says, and I believe what the Bible says. Come on, somebody say that with me. Say, I believe what the Bible says. I mean, it's just the bottom line. And, and do not let people sling all this stuff at you and say, well, there was slavery in the Bible. And the Bible, the, that means the Bible condones slavery. Look, look that is, that is a, that's whack, okay? Uh, it's, it's so inaccurate and it's so not true. Uh, if it, it would take an entire teaching for me to kind of unpack some of the ideas about the kinds of, first of all, God, there's many things that happened in the Bible that God never condoned. God never condoned multiple marriages from the beginning. He hated it. It disgusted him. But people kept doing it. So being the kind of God that he is, he's going, all right, you want, dude, you're telling me you, you, you want two wives? Oh, okay. <laughs> you have fun with that. Okay, that, yeah. oh, you want three. Oh, you want four. Oh, okay, well, that's not going to work for you, but I'm not going to disown you. But you go ahead and, and, and if you want to try that, I'm going to have to come up with some other secondary form of grace to help you because you're going to be way out of my, my will in that area. So in many ways, it, it, it's exactly like when, when uh, the, the, the Pharisees went to Jesus and asked him about divorce. Why did, why did Moses allow divorce? And he said he allowed it because of the hardness of your hearts. It was never his will. But you kept coming up with these ridiculous excuses. And so he, in his grace, found a way to let you do all the stupid things that you do. And in the same way, those are the kinds of statements, the ones that I made about slavery and things like that, or women preaching in church, or all these different things that people say, well, if you believe the Bible, then you believe that. Those are really ways that people try to zing you to get you to shut up so you won't talk about the authority of God's word. But don't let people do that to you. You can believe and you can put your faith and you can put your trust in the doctrines that come from the Bible. And what is a doctrine? It's a principle or a position or a body of principles or a system of belief. Well, so, so, so somebody say a belief system. That's a doctrine, okay? So you, people would say, well, no one should live by a book that tells you what to do. Well, that's a doctrine. To make that statement is a doctrine. To say that no one should live by a book that tells them what to do. You just told me to stop doing my doctrine with your doctrine. And that's a problem. So if you're basing your life and risking your eternity upon something, I certainly would want to base my life on something that I believe comes from God. We know that creation shows us there is a God. I talked about Romans chapter 1 and week 1. Listen to this. Romans 9, or Psalms 9, Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. What? The heavens. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. The, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. 
It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. And what that passage of scripture is telling us about is the glory of God can be seen in all things. The glory of God can be seen in all of creation. It's magnificent. It's saying that we know deep inside that God is there. It speaks to us through creation. But there's more to that passage of scripture. In verse 7 it goes on to say the law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshing to the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. Somebody say, I can trust him. Making wise the simple. Oh man, I'm so grateful for that one right there. He makes wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. All of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's hot right there, though. That's fire. I mean, when you're talking about, when you're talking about scripture that tells you that scripture is awesome. I love that. Scripture that tells you that scripture is amazing, that it's everything we need, the decrees we need, the principles we need, the worldview we need. John chapter 1, we know it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. My gosh, that's saying that Jesus is the Word Himself. He's inseparable from His own Word. Matthew 5, 17 and 18, Jesus says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. By the way, that's the Bible. The law and the prophets and the writings, that's what they called the entire Bible. Uh, all 39 books of the Old Testament. He says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. <laughs> he is the fulfillment, he's saying, of the entire Bible. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until it is all accomplished. God's word will be fulfilled because he is inseparable from it. This is not, I don't know how to drive this home uh, better. I probably should have thought of more analogies, but I'm just going to keep saying it. His word is unique and special above any kind of writing that exists. Now, it's not a Harry Potter book. People that sleep with Bibles under their pillows and stuff like that, it's not like this magical thing. You Remember the cloak of invisibility or something? Is that what that is in Harry Potter? You put that around. Like, it's not like that. It's not this magical book. It's a book of principles that must be applied to our life. 
in order for us to receive the favor that's in it. So it's not like an amulet. It's not like if a you know a werewolf comes and you hold it up and it goes, it's, you know, it dies or something. That's, it's not like that. You do the sign of the cross. Like we, we kind of get used to these like charm charms and stuff from movies. The Bible is not a charm. That's not the point of the Bible. Uh, but we have to understand the power that lies therein. John chapter 5, verse 39 through 47, Jesus is talking. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Now, now this, is, this is really important because he's talking to Pharisees and he's talking about the significance of himself being the addition and fulfillment of all the scriptures. Okay, So he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is these that bear witness of me. And you are un unwilling to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourself. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another shall come in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father, the one who accuses you, is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, he's saying, if you truly believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. Oh, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? What, what, what am I trying to do here today? I'm trying to lay a foundation for you that the Bible is the thing that can change our lives from the inside out. We, we, now, listen. Uh, that's, that, that's not a standalone statement. Of course we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Of course we need Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Of course we need God the Father. And I believe that all those things work together. We, uh, we, that's why the Bible says that you know, there come a time and now is when the true worship, wor worshipers of God will worship in spirit and in truth. I believe that is a combination of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word. We need both of those things. But we have to have God's word as the core the foundation. We have to do business with the devil through God's word. Not just our attitude. Say, get, you ain't allowed in my house. Get out of here. I'm mad at you. It's not just that kind of stuff. It's using scripture to overcome what the devil tries to do in our lives. Think about the way Jesus handled the devil in Matthew chapter 4. It says, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said, if you're the son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Anybody ever fasted before? Raise your hand if you ever fasted before. Raise your hand. Okay, now here's a different one. Raise your hand if you've ever done a low-carb diet for a little bit before. Just as tiny, just quit. How come when you do low-carb, somebody decides to cook rolls that night at your house? <laughs> and you know what kind they're going to cook? Them little Pillsbury croissants. They're, they're, they're so good. I could, eat a whole, I could eat a whole thing of them right now. I'm not even really hungry, but I'll eat them right now. Like, somebody going to make cookies, they're going to make rolls, they're going to make something like that. The, or they're going to say, oh, let's go to Texas Roadhouse. I just, got, I just really want some of them hot rolls. And, and you're like, uh, forget this diet. And you, so when you're, when you're hungry, you get tempted with the slightest things. In Matthew chapter 4, it says he was, he'd been fasting 40 days. Man, I get... Week after 40 minutes of fasting, 40 days, it says, I like, the, I like the simplicity of the Bible sometimes. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. 
Yeah, we, I, we figured that out. <laughs> so the tempter came and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. I would have a real problem if I had the power of Jesus. If I could turn stones into bread, there would be no stones in my community. It'd be, it, would, it would just be devoid of any rock formations. Be like, what happened? Ah, oh, Pastor Jeff was up here again. Sorry about that. We'll order some new ones. Um, and he said, he, he tempts him and says, turn these stones to bread. What does Jesus say? He doesn't say, leave me alone. You ain't got nothing to say to me. I don't want to hear nothing you got to say. I ain't turning them stones to bread. No. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, quote scripture. Jesus quoted scripture. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand up on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you that they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. So the devil misuses scripture in that occasion to tempt Jesus to misuse his own power. And Jesus answers him back. What does he say? Didn't I tell you the first time? Uh, get out of here. I'm the son of God. I'm gonna, you're going to try to kill me on the cross. No, he doesn't come up with all this stuff. What does he do? He fires back and says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Scripture. Again, the devil took it. And see how the devil don't give up? That's why you got to know a lot of scripture. Because he keeps coming back at you. Again, the devil took him to a, a, a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. If Jesus realized that the most effective way of dealing with the enemy was through God's word, then why do we think we can rely on TikTok? We got to know the Bible. Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and of the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It gets down in us and separates the soul of spirit, the soul and spirit, and it, it discerns what we're thinking. When we get it in our life, that's why if you're hearing any preacher or anything that you're hearing of God's word and it never hurts you, you're not listening to it right. Or it's not being preached right. Because it's supposed to challenge you. And all scripture in our Bible that we have currently now, all scripture is inspired. Now I say in our Bible that we have now, because the process of the canonization, and when you hear the word canon, that's the Greek word canon. Uh, it comes from the Greek word canon, which we, means measuring stick or weed. It's the way you measure, and that's really important to think of because the Bible is something that we should measure our lives by. The same way we look in the mirror, we can measure whether we're living right or wrong. At the Council of Trent in the mid-1500s is where we landed on the current Bible that we have now there are these books th that are called apocryphal books and if some of you grew up catholic you may remember growing up that big bible that might have been sitting on your grandparents uh, coffee table uh, and you saw books like first and second maccabees uh you know book of wisdom uh, books like that and you may wonder why those are in that bible 
and not in the Bible that we have as Protestant Christians. And that can also be a, a, another approach that some people use to discredit the Bible by saying, well, man just created this and you, you took out what you didn't like and you added this and you added that. But this is really important to know about God's inspired word is the books that are inspired, that he caused to be inspired, he also preserved in a way that pleased himself. He chose ultimately where it landed. God chooses that. And the books that are inspired are the ones that end up being the ones that are in our current word. There's reasons why uh, in, in the Catholic Church that those particular books got challenged. When uh, Martin Luther uh, went to Wittenberg and nailed his 95 thesis to the door, uh, to the doors, uh, one of the things that he was calling out about the Catholic Church was the selling of indulgences. That at that particular time, you could pay to have dead relatives and dead people you knew that were gotten out of purgatory. So if you had enough money, you could pay. That's not biblical. And, and he knew it wasn't biblical. So he pointed out the fact that there's no scripture to support that, yet the church was making a lot of money off of selling people out of purgatory. So when he brought this up, the, the only scripture they could come up with to even remotely be close to this, which doesn't justify it, but he was even kind of close, was in a, a non-canonical book that people just regarded as a good book but wasn't part of the canon of scripture at the time from First and Second Maccabees where after a particular war, they prayed for the dead. That's the only time you see them praying for the dead in scripture. So because they realized that it was going to cause the whole entire church to change if they lost this doctrine... What happened is they had a meeting and they said, let's actually make all of these books officially part of the church canon. So that's where that, that, those particular books got added on the Catholic side. But in the 1500s, for Protestants, that's where we, at the Council of Trent, that's where we get our modern Bible. Now, the reason why I bring that up, and if that's just like kind of freaking you out, like what is he talking about? The reason I'm going over those things is because a verse like 2 Timothy 3 says all scripture... Is God breathed? But the reason I wanted to go over all that stuff is I want to tell you what is all scripture. It's all scripture that's a part of our current canon. Uh, so if you look at the you know, English Standard Version Bible, uh, that's the Bible that I preach from, I try to preach from, mostly definitely try to study from that Bible. Uh, all scripture is God breathed or inspired and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is God's word. And scripture is what we need to challenge us, to change us, to shape us, to mold us, to, to help us become the people that we're supposed to be. Forty different authors wrote the Bible. That, that's, that's an incredible collection. It's not like someone sat down with this master plan. 40 different authors, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, 66 books of the Bible. And when you think about, I mean, shepherds, tradesmen, fishermen, soldiers, physicians, preachers, kings, people from all walks of life wrote this incredible book. There's nothing like this book. And when you think about the sheer number of manuscripts of the New Testament writings that we possess, and you compare them to other books, it's a joke how many we actually have. As of 1967, the st statistics were 266 unsealed texts, separate unsealed texts th that scholars recognize. 
2,754 minuscule texts, 2,135 lectionary portions, 81 papyri, that's 5,236 separate bits of text that we have about the Bible. How does this compare with other ancient writings? Well, one of the oldest writings that's out there would be Caesar's Gallic Wars composed between 58 and 50, 50 BC. There are about 10 manuscripts available and the oldest 10, only 10. And this is widely regarded. I just talked about 5,236. There's only 10 available of Gallic Wars. And the, the earliest one that we have was 900 years after it was written. We have texts that are from the time that this was written. So I share those things today not to just get you stuck on a bunch of heavy process, you know, thought processing things. It's like, where's Jesus in all this? He is this. He is this. He is his word. He's inseparable from his word. And when we talk about scripture, why do we consider our current Bible inspired? You'd have to answer these questions. Is it prophetic? Was it written by a prophet of God? Is it miraculous? Was the writer given God's affirmation through signs, fulfillment of prophecy, or comparison to other truth revealed up to that point? Is it authentic? Does the message speak the truth about God? Is it dynamic? Does it manifest the power of God? The word of God is able to accomplish its stated purpose. And also, is it received? Was it accepted at the time widely by the church as the word of God? Did it make it through the process that led us to now? And now, just so you know, that canon is closed now. We don't vote anymore on whether we like certain passages of scripture. I think it's important to know that I am a Protestant uh, who, who believes in the Christian faith according to Protestantism. And I think that Martin Luther was an amazing man who wanted to drive home a lot of points about justification of faith. But I also think it's ironic and funny that someone that I revere so much, he hated the book of James. Uh, Martin Luther did not like the book of James. And one of the reasons he didn't like the book of James is that as someone who believed in justification by faith alone, James says faith without works is dead. So it, it adds some stuff about works in it that made him uncomfortable with his, his theology. So he would rather do away with something that didn't fit the narrative. About not, not necessarily do away. My point is not that he wanted to eliminate it. It's just it was problematic for him. But what I love about that is that there are parts of the Bible that are problematic for all of us. There are parts of the Bible that mess up our whole plan. <laughs> we go, okay, I've got everything figured out. And then you read something and go, oh, we're back to square one again. I have to have this thing called faith, right? And I've got to get this thing in my life every day. And you know what I got to do? Hey, hold on real quick. I got to go look in the mirror. Because if I don't, I might forget what I look like. And then I'm going to be doing business my whole life thinking I'm one way, but really being another. And honestly, I'd rather just really look in that mirror and, and be real about where I am at this point so I can work on it. Uh, then walk away and lie to myself and convince myself that I'm in a place that I'm not. So I encourage you today. And I hope that this, this whole series goes as one thing. I really would just say, go back and um, check out some of the other parts of the series and, and look at it as a whole and see kind of where it's ended up and where this thing has landed. And I pray that would be something that would be really encouraging uh, in your life and that you would know why it is you believe what you believe. You would have a love for your Bible that you've never had before. Start reading the Bible today. Uh, if you don't read the Bible every day, please open your Bible in the morning and just do a devotion, a quick devotion. 
a few minutes. Start out, do five minutes, three minutes of just reading the Bible. Read some of it out loud. Read some of the Psalms. Read the gospel, Gospels. Read the book of John. Start in the book of John. That's a great place. Read Proverbs. Read some stuff out loud. Get it in your spirit and start becoming used to hearing the Bible read out loud in your life and then living out the things that you're reading. And you watch the power of God start to move in your life in a brand new way. You, start, you watch yourself start to put your foot down just like Jesus did and begin to speak things over your life that you've never spoken before, but you speak them with confidence because you know this is not just a good book. It's not just a, it, as a matter of fact, I, I'll end it by saying this. It's not just an exceptional work of literature, literature to be revered. It's a supernatural book of truths to be adhered. It's a supernatural book of truths to be adhered. So let's, 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 We'll end it right there. I, I, I have so many other things that I, I wanted to get into, but I just didn't really have time. Uh, I'll just close by saying it's true. Believe it, it's true. <laughs> he loves you today. He cares for you today. Jesus uh, went to the cross for you. Um, this same God that was talking about in John chapter 1, verse 1, that came down from heaven. Um, Have you ever been demoted in life? Have you ever stepped down from one place to another or been stepped down? Have you ever voluntarily given up something nice or something good so someone else could have something? Uh, imagine that, but imagine how much more Jesus being God, what kind of love would you have to have to give up perfection in the way that he experienced it from a heavenly standpoint and becoming a human being on a flawed place like earth. I mean, think about the love. <laughs> think about the love he would have to have to do that. I mean, I can, can I just tell you something? I have a hard time when AIM makes like extra bread at dinner. Like when, I, when my daughter Zoe says, is, is anyone gonna eat that bread? I have a hard time saying yes. Or not saying yes, someone is going to eat that bread. But going, baby, have that. Of course, you go have that. I have a hard time doing that. But Jesus became a human being. Why do I keep talking about bread so much? This is a very weird thing to be talking about during an altar call. But he is the bread of life. That's the most important thing is Jesus is the bread of life. As a matter of fact, that's a good transition. Because that's exactly the statement that caused many of his disciples to leave him is when he said, I am the bread of life, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now that's not a very appealing thing to hear someone say. It's kind of Hannibal Lectory uh, in all honesty, uh, unless you realize that the person that's saying it to you is God. And what he's actually inviting you to do is to partake of something that will not disappoint you. Because no matter what meal you have with your friends, no matter how gourmet it is, or five-star restaurant, Michelin chef, it doesn't matter, the next morning you're gonna be hungry, no matter how gourmet it is. And this is why Jesus came for you, is to give you a life, to give you something that satisfies you. So I, I invite you today, watching online, those that are in the room, if you need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you need to, to give him authority over your life, turn your life over to him. I'm gonna invite you to do that right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And for those of you that need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, when I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand above your head and say, yes, that's me, I need Jesus in my life. Online, when you do that, would you just type in that chat, say, I need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. For those of you that are in this room, I'm gonna ask you to just lift your hand above your head. One, 
The Bible says now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this moment. Three, hands lifted up all over the building, if that's you. Hands going up in every single section. I see hands in every section today. I believe people lifting your hands online. So would you repeat this prayer out loud and say, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. I'm walking away from a broken life, and I'm stepping in to healing from the inside out, starting from this moment. My life belongs to you. Be the measuring rod of my life. Be the cannon by which I make decisions in everything I do. I believe you are the resurrection and the life and the forgiver of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God a great praise. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. It's Palm Sunday. Bring somebody with you. We're going to be celebrating. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.